Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound Rate MMA podcast. Stumble over that. Your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I'm your host, Robert Winfrey. I'd like to thank everyone for being here, for tuning in. Lord knows you don't have to, and there's a lot of places that do what I do. Uh, on the docket this evening, should be a relatively quick show. There's a preview of UFC on ESPN Plus 10? 11? 11. God, just giving polyamory an even worse name. Uh, that's the UFC returning to uh, Sweden uh, this coming Saturday, so I'll have a rundown of that. Uh, that's that's a card. That's about all I can say about it. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, whatever news has come out over the last week, it's been a relatively, relatively light on the news side of things, but there's a few things. Uh, some guys got released. From the UFC recently, a few of them were surprising, so I'll dive into again some of the news as far as it's as far as that goes. Um, I will be flying solo tonight, just for the record. Uh, Jeff did a lot of stuff over the last few days. Uh, he was in Vegas for the AEW event. For there was a convention. He's did the he's busy. Wasn't able to make it this evening, so should be back next week. Hope he's feeling fine. But for the moment, it's just it's going to be me flying solo for this particular show, so... Sorry, for those of you who just don't like listening to me talk to myself. Alright, UFC on ESPN Plus 11. Again, the UFC is back in Sweden for this one, so they bring, in the main event, the only Swede of note that they have on their roster, Alexander Gustafsson. Sorry, that's a bad jab at a few other guys, but... Uh, Gustafsson, undoubtedly the best. I think that's pretty... Uh, that's relatively clear. And Gustafsson is in your main event, fighting Anthony Smith, a battle of former title contenders. Alexander Gustafsson has fought three times for the UFC light heavyweight title. Has come up short in all of them. Uh, arguably won two of those fights. The judges disagreed. Uh, I thought he lost the John Jones fight. I did score the the Cormier fight for him, though. I, I thought he got a bit... I won't say a raw deal, but I thought he won that fight. And then, of course, most recently, he fought John Jones again, and this time he got handled. And Smith, coming off of that failed attempt to take the title from the aforementioned John Jones, because nobody beats John. Um, Anthony Smith is in a bit of a weird spot, because... He came up to light heavyweight after having some success at middleweight, but just decided he didn't like it, didn't like the the weight cut, wanted to give it a try. This was after the loss to Tiago Santos. And he rattled off three consecutive wins that got him into the title scene. Now, two of those wins were over guys who... Aging legends. Rashad Evans, who I believe retired... That might have been Evans' last fight. Was... The, yeah, that was Evans' last fight, was the Smith knockout. Then he knocked out Shogun Hua. Two former champions, again, two legends. Complete legends. But two guys who in 2018 
you know, not what they were in their primes. And then he beat Vulcan Uzdemir, and that that's what set up the title shot. So Gustafson, I mean, Gustafson is pretty clearly one of the three best light heavyweights in the world, depending on where you, depending on a few other people who might come in and out of the division kind of thing. And you know, Johns was a big step up from Uzdemir, obviously. And while Gus isn't... And Gus isn't John Jones, of course, but Gus is a very, very talented fighter. And this represents a pretty... a pretty significant... Again, not a step up, but rather a maintaining of a level of opposition, because, he, again, he went from Uzdemir, who... I don't want to say he was a flash-in-the-pan kind of thing, but he had his big run up to the title fight, lost it, lost to Smith, and then lost to Dominic Reyes. Um, I don't know. So I'm curious to see how he'll perform under these circumstances. Now, Smith, Smith's a big guy. He's 6'3". Gus is... What, 6'6"? Six, 6'5"? Six, 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 so these are two tall guys. They're both long. Uh, both coming off of losses to John... Um, man, Gustafson's inactivity lately. That is rough. I mean, he's had... He only fought once in 2016, once in 2017, and once in 2018. And this will be his first fight of 19. And the other one was in... It was December 29th of 2018. So, this is his first fight within six or so months of each... So, within a seventh-month period in a while. Yeah, since 15, when he fought in January and then again in October. Then it was almost a year between that fight and his next. So, yeah, it's... It's tough. Um, Over five rounds. I mean, Anthony Smith brings some brutality. He's a tough guy. He's a he's a real hard nosed style of fighter. Whereas Gus is more of a finesse fighter. I mean, Gus will, they'll both bring the war if necessary, but I can see ways for each of them to win. And man, I mean, if Gus is going to start sliding. Now would be kind of the time. I'm going to pick Gustafson here, but... Again, there's a few intangibles that... I don't fault anyone for picking Anthony Smith. He's... He seems to be the guy with momentum more on his side than Gustafson. I mean, again, despite the loss to John, he'd... He was more on the upswing, whereas Gus... Between the time off and you know, again, the injuries and then again losing to John again, it seems like Gustafson is just never going to be able to get over that hump. And after as many tries as it, at, at it as he has had, yeah, that, those are words, uh, again, one does begin to wonder about the, the wear and tear and the ability to just continue to persevere time in and time out. So, I don't fault anyone for picking Smith. I'm leaning Gus, but Gustafson's one of the few 
light heavyweight fighters, I will kind of I I can potentially get excited about watching fight. There's not a lot of them. There's one other one who I'm loosely interested in on this card, but uh oh, uh, we'll get to that in a minute or two. Um, it's again, it's a pretty solid fight, and while I don't think the winner is back in the immediate title picture because they are both coming off of non-controversial losses to John. I do think, again, the winner may not get the next title shot, but the loser is probably out of the title picture for the foreseeable future. Just how the division is kind of is kind of resting at the moment. So, it's an important fight for both guys. Your co-main event, also in the light heavyweight division, the aforementioned Volkan Uzdemir, will try to stop a three-fight losing streak. Now, he was finished by... by uh, Daniel Cormier and Anthony Smith, and he lost a decision to Dominic Reyes. That was split, but I, I didn't think it was that close. Uh, so, he really needs to pull this one out. Uh, he's fighting Ilir Latifi, who's here because he's Swedish. Um, Latifi's coming off of a loss to Corey Anderson. Uh, right after... It was after that big... Like, he just had that significant win when he choked out Ovin St. Preux and then proceeded to just lose to Corey Anderson. Um, I don't know. It's light heavyweight. It kind of sucks as a division. Uh, you know, I think Uzdemir's going to be one of those... He might wind up being one of those flash-in-the-pan kind of arrive, rocket to success based on the state of the division, and then plummet back to earth right after. I'm going to go with Latifi. Um, probably a stupid decision on my part. Latifi tends to make me look foolish, but I'll go with Latifi. Your next fight, also in the light heavyweight division. This card is designed like to punish me personally, I feel. Um, Jimmy Manawa will be fighting Alexander Rakic. Now, I am slightly interested in Rakic. Uh, he's on a significant winning streak. In fact, uh, 12 fights. Excuse me, 11. He's 11 and 1 on an 11 fight winning streak. He's 3 and 0 in the UFC. Uh, all of his fights outside the UFC ended via finish. He's got one finish in the UFC, his most recent one. He's got a pretty good mix of skills. He's got good low kicks, uh, good kicking game generally. Good wrestling, knows how to use it. He's a r relatively well rounded fighter and one of the few kind of up-and-comers at light heavyweight. Now, I, again, when I say up-and-comers, I mean he's... I don't even think he's ranked right now. And considering, you know, light heavyweight in the UFC, not being ranked is... Uh, yeah. If he is ranked, he's very... It's low. I don't think he is at all. No, this doesn't have him... He's not ranked at all. And Manua is number 11. Um, so, I might have, yeah, I think Rakic should be 15 over Krylov. I mean, Krylov is, what, 1-1 one one since coming back, or Serkinov, or freaking Shogun, who, oh, the rankings. Sorry, I don't want to get on a tangent. But I, I'm kind of interested to see if he can deal with Manoa. Manoa's a big puncher. Manoa, uh, 
unfortunately for him, on a three-fight losing streak. Knocked out by Uzdemir, lost in a decision to Blahovich, knocked out by Santos. That was a pretty crazy fight, actually. Um, in fairness to those two, that was the, that was two rounds of insanity. And credit to him and Santos for giving it. I'm. This is a tough one. Again, Mana was more proven, but there's elements of how if Rakic keeps his guard up when he kicks, if he's got a, I mean, he's got a few minor habits that need to be broken, a few tendencies. One of them is when he kicks. He tends to square up a little bit, and his guard leaves a very wide-open striking lane right down the middle. Oh, I mean, Devin Clark tagged him a couple of times on kicks, and Manoa hits harder than Clark. So if Manoa's able to time that, that could be a problem for Rakic. But if Manoa can't, he doesn't deal all that well with low kicks. Um, Santos hit him with some good ones, some good body kicks as well. Um, if Rakic is smart, he uses those to set up takedowns, and Manwa on the ground is a much more manageable task than Manwa on the feet. So I'm going to pick Rakic here, um, but this is, again, it's another light heavyweight fight. We just kind of hope it doesn't suck. At featherweight, Makwan Amir Khani. Remember when uh, Mr. Finland, when he was going to be something? I mean, I hate to say he you know, can't, because he's, what, 4-1 and one in the UFC, it's a good record, uh, he's coming, he is coming off of a win, a split decision over Jason Knight, uh, he, before that he lost to Arnold Allen via split decision, but you know, there was a lot of hype around him, and that just seems to have really petered out over his last couple of fights, anyway, here he's fighting Chris Fishgold, who has fought in the UFC before. I don't mean to potentially set this up as some kind of great gimme for Amir Khani because Fishgold may not be a world beater, but he's been, he's fought in the UFC before. He's 18 and 2 and 1 overall. Um uh, 2 and 1, excuse me, 1 and 1 in the UFC. Lost to Calvin Cater, beat Daniel Tamer. He was getting tuned up in that fight before he forced it to the ground. This is, again, this is matchmaking that favors Amir Khani, but I, is not a gimme, and there's a difference. Uh, I, I do think Amir Khani can take this one if he's smart about his wrestling, but he can be out-grappled, and Chris Fishgold is a pretty good grappler, so. Uh, Demir Hodzovic, the Bosnian bomber, uh, who is on a two-fight winning streak, uh, wins over Nick Hine and Marco Polo Reyes. Uh, that was a, yeah. He stopped Rez in the second in the in that last fight. Uh, very famously knocked out Marcin Held with a knee in the third round of a fight he was losing. And Yagos is one and one in the UFC. He came in and just got smote and got kind of taken apart by Charles Oliveira, but he beat Mizuto Hirota in his last fight. Uh, I, I like Hadzovic here. Um, yeah, again, he's the more local guy. He's, he represents both Bosnia and, um, Denmark. Danes are from Denmark, Dutch are from, uh, Holland. So, yeah, or the Netherlands are, yeah. Uh, 
countries with different names. Yeah, he's from he's he reps both countries. Uh, I believe he's he was born in Bosnia, but he like relocated. He's a Bosnian-born Danish. Okay, is how that's described here. So I'm. So yeah, he's again not an easy fight, but they are trying to kind of again set him up for success in some ways. He does still have to win, but I, I like his odds here. And then Daniel Tamer, who we just mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, will be. And this is it for the main card. We'll be fighting Sungbin Joe. Um, Tamer is 0-3 in the UFC. This is his last shot. Losses to Danny Henry, Julio Arce, and Chris Fishgold. Um, Joe is undefeated, Korean, uh, 9-0. and This is his UFC debut. And recognize anyone that he's beaten... This is this is the softest touch that Tamer is going to get. Uh, I mean, he's uh, he's David. I mean, I think of him as David Tamer's less talented brother because David is actually a pretty decent fighter, whereas Daniel, yeah, not so much. Uh, you know what? Screw it. I'll go with I'll go with Joe. Um, <laughs> I I can't pick Daniel Tamer. I just can't at the moment. Now again, this is kind of being set up to give him the best chance at success. You're fighting an, uh, a promotional debutante with less than 10 fights and while he's undefeated, maybe we can turn him into something. If you can't win this, uh, you're going to be out the door. Uh, the pre that That's the main card that will take place on ESPN+. Plus. The prelims are on ESPN2. Uh, we have Tanya Evinger and Lena Landsberg. Evinger's been out for a while because Aspen Ladd done smashed her in, in October of last year. Okay, so not that long. Um, and that was... It was a while after she got obliterated by Cyborg. <laughs> uh, so she needs to win pretty... And Avenger's a... You know, she's a pretty tough fighter, but... You know, Cyborg is Cyborg, and Aspen Ladd was able to just... find openings. Now, Lena Landsberg, by contrast, um, has been trading wins and losses in the UFC. She's 2-3. and three. Losses to Cyborg, Ladd, and Yana Kunitskaya. Uh, Landsberg is the more local fighter, but I actually kind of like Avenger here. I think Avenger's going to make this an ugly, dirty fight, and she's going to come out on top. Um, Stevie Ray will fight Leonardo Santos. Um, Santos is kind of a beast. Dude is on a massive winning streak. Uh, he's not lost in the UFC. He has one draw that he fought to with Norman Park. Uh, but so his record in the UFC is five zero and one. But he's been out since October of sixteen. Um, he's he's been dealing with some injuries, and that you know that can be that can be a problem. Uh, but he again he's kind of a monster. He's got a really good jujitsu record. Uh, yeah, a, what, four-time IBJJF world champion. World Cup champion, excuse me. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that might be something different than the actual world title. I'm not... Uh, I don't want to you know, assign him accolades that he's not due, but his jiu-jitsu is 
world class. He's competed at the at the international level successfully for quite some time. He's fighting Stevie Ray, and Stevie Ray is coming off of a win over Yesen Ayari. Uh, he had a tough loss to Cajun Johnson. That was a split decision that could have gone his way. He got knocked out by Paul Felder before that. Clean. Um, I do kind of like Stevie Ray. Um, I mean, logically, Santos should win, but between the layoff and just kind of my... I'll go with Stevie Ray. Probably going to be wrong. Straight up, probably going to be wrong, but eh. I'm kind of looking forward to that fight. Um, Nick Hine will fight Frank Camacho. That could be ugly. And I mean that in a good way. Um, Hine on a two-fight losing streak. Losses to Davi Hamos and Demir Hadzovic. The Hadzovic one was a split decision. Um, I had it for Hadzovic without too much controversy, but eh. Uh, that that broke a three-fight winning streak he'd been on, so. Uh, and again, Frank Camacho back at lightweight for this fight, really. Um, I don't know, man. He's bouncing between Welter. He's another one of those guys who's just like, please give me 165. Because the weight cut for lightweight is a bit brutal and clearly depleting, but welterweight isn't, is also pretty clearly not his ideal weight class. Um, Camacho's on a two-fight losing streak, lost a decision to Drew Dober. Pretty bonkers fight. And then got knocked out by Jeff Neal. That was a beautiful head kick. Um, I'm going to go with Hine, but... Uh, again, like, Camacho at lightweight's a bit... He might be able to just kind of overwhelm Hine with size. Um, at women's featherweight... I don't know why, but they're trying. Um... Two women making their UFC debuts. Bea Malseki? Where is she from? Hang on, I, I need to know this. She's from Finland. Crap. I don't know how to pronounce that then. I'm going with Malaceki until I hear otherwise. Um, she's 1-0. and 1-0. 1-0 gets you into the UFC when it's... It's women's featherweight, apparently. Uh, she lost on some season of The Ultimate Fighter. Uh, she had a couple of amateur fights, but, yeah, I want to know. She's fighting uh, Duda Santana. Uh, she's from Brazil. She's 3-0. and Also undefeated. Uh, she fought... I'm confusing her with someone else. Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. Um, who knows? I'm not... I, I, I don't know. Flip a coin. Um, if I have to pick, I'll go with Malachecki. Just... I don't know, just because she is, you know, from the area more so, but, eh, I don't know. You're dealing with fighters that have, like, less than... Much less than ten fights between them. I mean, there's only so much reasonable conclusions you can draw. Um, Darko, uh, light heavyweight, Darko Stojic. This is light heavy, he's going back, he's going down, I think he, I think he was at heavyweight when he last fought in the UFC, he's 13 and 1. Uh, won his UFC debut via, uh, god, that fight was bad, third round ground and pound. I went 34, I want to see if that was at heavyweight or not, I can't remember.
No, that was light heavyweight. Okay, I must have just slipped my mind. Uh, so he's on a he's on a pretty significant winning streak, actually. Nine fights. Eight. Ugh, I can't count today. I'm sorry, guys. My my brain is not working. Yeah, nine fights. Okay. Can't do math either. Ugh. So, and he's coming in to fight Devin Clark. Devin Clark, who has one win in the UFC, I think. No, he's got more than that. Sorry. Um, he's three and three in the UFC. Coming off of the loss to Rakich that we uh, was mentioned earlier. His losses in the UFC are to Alex Nicholson in large part of that fight because he cut a lot of weight quickly to get down to middleweight, and that is not his weight class. Uh, one, two in a row, lost to Blahovich, one again, lost to Rakich. Um, pff, I'll go with Clark, but eh, it's, he's a 50-50 fighter in the UFC, so eh, who knows. And kicking everything off, Joel Alvarez will fight Danilo... Beloardo? Where is he from? Mexico? Need to, need to confirm that. Uh, yeah, that's Mexico. So, where's that Italy? Oh, Italy! My mistake. The crest. I, I was looking at a smaller version of the flag and I couldn't tell if the crest was on there or not. No crest? Italy. Um, so, yeah, Beloardo then. Uh, the double L in Spanish is different than the double L in Italian. And, I, and I'm the only jackass trying to keep track of that crap for you people, so nuts to me, I guess. Uh, this is Beloardo's UFC debut. Um, he's on a five-fight winning streak? Six? Six, yeah. Uh, that's nothing to sneeze at. And Alvarez is from Spain? Yep, that is the Spanish flag. Yay me, remembered. 15-2. and two. Coming off of a loss in his debut when Demir Ismagulov bested him. Um, and Ismagulov's pretty darn good. So I'm not going to hold that too much against him. Ah, that's a tough one. I'll go with Alvarez, but... I, again, I'm, just, I'm not deeply familiar with either guy, so... But that will be your prelims, and... Oh, there's one more. Um, a welterweight bout between Roster and Akman and Sergei Kazadzonko? Uh, I need confirmation of this. Okay, yeah, Kazajanko was supposed to fight Bartosz Fabinski. Uh, Fabinski wound up withdrawing with an injury. Uh, so Kazajanko will now fight again. Rostam Akman. Both men are making their UFC debuts. I don't know anything about either man. Beyond that, uh, okay, hang on. There it is. Uh, Kazuzako is 26-5-1. He's fought in the UFC, yes? No? I'm confusing him with someone else. On a two-fight winning streak, I think he might... Um, he went kind of 50-50 in ACB. But that was his that was his step up in competition. Prior to that, it was uh, lower... Uh, the, like, Russian... The Russian regional scene, which... Is a pretty gnarly scene. There's some there's some tough guys out there. This kid being one of them. He went kind of 50-50 when he stepped up to ACB in a lot of respects. Now he's on a two-fight winning streak. Um, and Akman, 
is from Finland. No, Sweden. Sorry, Swedish flag. The Finnish flag is different. Finnish flag is uh, white background, blue cross. This is blue background, yellow cross. Uh, Akman is, uh, again, undefeated. Also making his UFC debut. He's 6-0. I'll go with the Russian. I usually do, just kind of based on principle. But again, I, I'm not going to stand too terribly behind all of that. Uh, just again, there's a lot of guys I'm just only partially familiar with. But that will be uh, Fight Night 153, UFC on ESPN Plus 11. It will be more in the early or not early, early morning, but early-ish morning uh, Saturday because they're doing it primetime in Sweden. So if you want to do the math and calculate time zone differences, have at it. Uh, I, so I will have coverage of that. Stop by, say hello. I know no one knows this card is actually happening. It's another one of those that's not being promoted, but I'll be there. So I hope you all will as well. Okay, let's... Uh, news. Let's start with... The UFC went through some uh, some roster cleaning this week. They released a few different guys. Uh, there there were some there were some releases. Yeah. Uh, let's see. A few surprising ones, kind of. Uh, sort of. Elias Theodoru was released. Uh, of this, there's a few others I want to touch on, but this one. Was more. This was kind of more recent. Uh, but he lost. Because he was coming off of that loss to. Oh, that fight was so bad, too. Who was it? Brunson, yeah. Um, look, Theodore's been with the UFC since 2014 and has one finish. Has two finishes in that time. And just consistently produced some of the most unwatchable fights. I mean, he's got great hair. He's got a good... He's a fun guy. But man, were his fights just... I don't know. I, I watched his fights in utter befuddlement. So he's been released. And, you know, in fairness, I mean... He had, a, he had a solid record. He had a oh, very good winning UFC record. Overall, he was 8-3. and three, I want to say in the UFC. And those losses were to Tiago Santos, Brad Tavares, and Derek Brunson. So, a higher class of opposition. However, if over the course of five years, you're never really going to step things up, it can just kind of be... Uh, it can kind of be time to cut bait with that, you know. Like we gave we gave it a shot, but this is not going anywhere. So, best of luck going forward. Um, a few less surprising res- uh, cuts. Let's see. They also cut um, Eric Shelton, and considering he struggled at both flyweight and bantamweight, yeah. Uh, they cut Wilson Hayes, continuing the trend of just flyweights going away, especially if they lose their last fight. So Wilson Hayes is now gone. And Marcelo Golm, who 
just never seemed to find his footing. I wouldn't be surprised if Golm finds his way back. He's young enough. He's at heavyweight. Uh, so he might be back, but uh, he's out. So, again, there's some roster trimming um, related to that. Um, yeah, Justin Willis, who lost a decision to Curtis Blades most recently, was released from the UFC. Uh, they tried... There's been some reports about this. Apparently they wanted Tim to take a fight in July, uh, and he was unable to do so. Willis is one of those guys who actually has to cut weight to get to 265. And he... And he's not... When you look at him, he doesn't look like, you know, a Brock Lesnar or, you know, a Francis Ngannou kind of guy. I don't think Francis cuts, but... You, there's different kinds of heavyweights that might have to cut weight. Willis looks a bit more like it was a discipline problem than than just him being a genuinely large human being. And the UFC just said it couldn't come to terms on that, so they removed him. And he's. it seems that the weight-cutting issue was part of the problem. Another guy who might find his way back into the UFC... Uh, just because, again, heavyweight, and if he can get that under control, especially if it's a if it's a documented issue like you know, his discipline around his weight between camps. Uh, the UFC also cut Brian Caraway. Uh, nothing of value was lost. <laughs> so I, I shouldn't throw that much shade at him. I mean, but Brian Caraway is gone. Uh, I think that's it for... Yeah, I believe that will be it for fights that were released. So let's move on to the next bit. Uh, oh, Conor McGregor is... A, injured. He injured his hand sparring. Uh, I think it was his left. There's pics of him with it in a cast. Don't know how serious it is, but... I mean, hands are funny. You know, there's a lot of certain types of breaks that once you have them, they never really... Because, you know, bones heal stronger than when they were originally broken. And there's certain breaks that, you know, once they break, it's like, all right, fine, this sucks, but it's unlikely to repeat. There's a few types of breaks that can become recurring very easily. Um, jaw breaks can become recurring. And hands. Um, once your hands start going, that that can be a real tough thing. Um, I mean, Fedor very famously... In MMA, had a lot of problems with his hands throughout his career. Um, in boxing, Pauli Malignaggi, uh, a lot of boxers. I mean, I don't mean to pick on Pauli for any spe specific reason, but he had a lot of problems with his hands. Uh, once they start going, it's it's not it's rare that you find a fighter who suffers a major hand injury, rebounds, and it never recurs uh, to one degree or another. So, but he wants a rematch with Floyd Mayweather. Now, I know why he wants a rematch with Floyd Mayweather, because it would be highly lucrative, in all probability, given how successful their first match was. Although, the success of their first match also kind of left people not wanting a rematch. At least, I didn't want the first one, quite honestly. But Floyd's now a few years older, hasn't been training again, and Connor just kind of wants to get that one back. I don't think it'll happen. Look, Floyd manages his career 
Floyd Mayweather has the best managed career in like combat sports history. He took big fights when there was interest, when it favored him maximally. Now, that's not to say he couldn't lose. He didn't fight guys over the hill. But he was very good about identifying the best matchups for him, fighting them appropriately to maximize his chances of winning, and making the most money while doing so. Again, it's a... Seriously, just look at how his career is managed. It's an... It's a masterclass. It really is. I don't think he's giving... I don't think he and Connor are going to fight again. I think Connor's just... Connor's looking for what to do next, and he's letting a lot of the... He's, in some respects, letting the market dictate what that's going to be. So he's ta- So there's the potential for a third fight with Nate. He's been floating that he wants a rematch with Khabib. Now he's floating he wants a rematch with Mayweather, and I think he's going to really commit in the direction of whatever garners the most interest. Uh, and... I think the, the I think the trilogy with Nate Diaz is probably the most likely. Uh, I I don't know that. Especially, okay, if Khabib beats Dustin Poirier, I have I think that's a hard rematch sell. I mean, there's a lot of material to work with to promote a rematch, but I I have no. I mean, I can't speak for anyone else. I saw the fight. The fight went as expected by and large. It's it's just I, I don't really have an appetite for that rematch right away, not right away. Again, say Khabib beats Dustin, say Connor beats Nate, uh, and then say you know Khabib fights Tony or something, uh, which should have happened already, but the MMA gods hate us. Like I'm not opposed to it entirely, but I'm just I don't want to see it again. I, it's just not interesting to me. But I am me. I am not the totality of the market, and I that has been made abundantly clear to me on many an occasion. Oh, uh, yeah, the big news. Uh, the parent company of the UFC, uh, formerly WMEIMG, now I believe they've rebranded themselves as Endeavor, the ma- massive, massive talent agency that, again, owns the majority of the UFC. I forget the exact percentage, but it's well over 50 um, they're going public. They have filed the necessary paperwork to become a publicly traded company. Now, again, that's going to take a little bit because there's processes involved with all of this, and then there's going to be the IPOs being set, and et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of financial stuff that goes into that. But there are fiduciary responsibilities for publicly traded companies. There's been a lot of numbers about the that the UFC has and a lot of business practices that they that the UFC has kept purely internal. Again, a lot of these are pay-per-view numbers uh, or uh, fighter salaries, discretionary bonuses. some good, some bad. I'm, this is not about the validity of each of those things. But there's there's now a bit of an open question about how much of that is going to be made public when the pub when you know, this com- when endeavor goes public because major corporations that own other entities again Disney owns a lot of other stuff and when they make when you know Disney has to release their quarterly financials 
stuff that is within some of those other companies gets uh, is released along with it as a matter of again as a matter of full disclosure for anyone who's investing into Disney you have to know okay they're spending you know, Disney is willing to invest or sink you know a hundred million dollars into ESPN over the last quarter because they posted losses here's what happened here's why it happened and then you so again there's a lot of that stuff that just goes on in financial circles and there's a pretty I'm not sure how much of the UFC's dealings will now become matters of public record but there's a lot that potentially could be again there's a lot of stuff that they just we only have their word for it or just isn't ever really made public and is we cobble information together from bits and pieces of other conversations mixed with analytical data from third parties dealing with a, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that kind of goes into that. And if when Endeavor files quarterly earnings reports or whatnot, if they have to disclose all of the financials with it from the UFC, we now know a lot more than we did before. So that's, that's a pretty big thing to keep an eye on. I mean, and again, I don't know the specifics of it. There might be some contracts in place that will limit the purely public stuff that is released. Uh, there, there might be stuff that is only avail that information that is only available to limited parties. I'm not up to date on all the again, all the legal realities of uh, you know, corporate fiduciary responsibilities, security and exchange things like that. There's a lot that I don't know. So I'm not sure if there could be contractual clauses between WME and the UFC that, that again, potentially limit that. Uh, I'd be very, very surprised if that were true, but stranger things have happened. So that's I think that's the big thing to kind of keep your eye on going forward is, again, the parent company of the UFC going to become a publicly traded company. Uh, that could be a pretty significant thing going forward, especially for those of us that dive into the numbers of... Uh, of the UFC and you know, be it events, be it fighter pay, be it revenue streams, whatever. And fighters should be paying attention to this too, because again, I'm not out here to stump for fighters in the sense that the, I'm not getting on my soapbox here. There's simply the fact there's a, a simple statistical reality. Every other athlete in a performative capacity in in the position that a UFC fighter is in is part of at least a collective bargaining agreement and it and is entitled uh, via bargaining to shares of the revenue that uh, th that the parent company takes in NFL players get a cut of all the advertising revenue that the NFL gets because if there's no players there's no NFL at least that's the logic and the exact number is negotiated and so on and so forth and right now MMA fighters don't get that they get whatever check the UFC cuts them. So, it's something they should be paying attention to as well. So, uh, just some, uh, so again, that's something definitely to keep an eye on going forward. But yeah, uh, Endeavor looking to make the move to be, to be a public company instead of a private one. So, and you know what? Good for them if they think they can, if they think they can pull that off and money can be made by all parties concerned. I'm not opposed to it in that, in any, not opposed to it in any capacity actually. So, good for them, but something to pay attention to for all of us in the MMA sphere going forward. 
All right, the last thing here, and then I think we're going to go ahead and call it a day. Uh, the Nevada State Athletic Commission had their meeting. Uh, they do frequently. Uh, the big thing on the docket this time around was the teammates from, uh, sorry, uh, Khabib's teammates who were involved in that, uh, the brawl at UFC, oh god, I hate myself for not remembering the na the number of the event. Not me to look it up. Um, two, jeez, why can't I remember this? It wasn't 229. No, it was 229. Wow. No trust for my memory. Okay. Yeah, uh, the two uh, two of his cornermen who were involved in that brawl uh, had their were originally suspended for I believe one year uh, for their part in that in that event. Um, <laughs> I still say God bless Khabib for just telling them to cram it up their ass when they when they offered him a reduced suspension. <laughs> oh, that was great. Uh, but he said that if they if the suspension of his teammates wasn't reduced or the situation at least re-examined. He would just sit out until their suspension was up because he was hit with, I believe, a nine-month suspension retroactive to the event. So that's October of 18. So he'd be free to fight September-ish of 19 if he was prepared to just sit out with his teammates. Um, it was, I believe, Zabira Tahugov, who is in the UFC. And one of his... Sort of, ah, uh, God. Uh, cousin, brother, something along those lines. Um, Abubakar Nurmagomedov. Uh, I forget, and I, he hasn't, I believe he has not yet debuted in the UFC, but I believe they have signed him. Yeah, they were so disgusted by, Dana was so horribly disgusted by the events of that evening, he just went and signed everybody. Just piss off with your moral outrage, you bald bastard. You're a fight promoter. You don't. You have no moral high ground at all to stand on. When it comes to crap like that, you said Connor attacking the bus was the most disgusting thing you'd ever seen in combat sports, and then immediately just blasted it all over the promotion of the event. You were sickened by this event, and then you signed one of the guys involved in the post-fight brawl. Like, come on, <laughs> that's just. Yeah, uh, so both of those were dropped to 35-day... Let me see. They had their one-year suspensions dropped by 35 days. Uh, let me see. So I think the fact that, again, they kind of re-examined it and were willing to... And in fairness, I don't know what the right thing to do. I mean, again, you can't eliminate their suspensions. They were involved in a brawl after a fight. Like, that's not cool. In fact, it's illegal. <laughs> um, but they... So again, they they gave them an out to you know, potentially do some actual community service. I mean, again, Khabib's thing was funny because it was like, hey, we'll reduce your nine-month suspension to six months if you participate in an anti-bullying campaign. And you just gave them the finger. Uh, because Khabib is awesome. But, again, so, again, since that's kind of been re-examined, it does seem like... 
Uh, it does seem like that has kind of appeased, you know, Khabib's sensibilities as far as that goes. Uh, that does seem to have kind of opened up the doors finally for uh, actual negotiations about Khabib and Poirier to main event um, UFC. It's the one in Abu Dhabi. Um, three, excuse me, two, do, 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 42 is the one that they're kind of looking at getting uh, again, Khabib and Poirier to fight on. Uh, they announced the start time for that event, actually. That event will be held in prime time. First pay-per-view in a while that they're going to hold in prime time outside of the, uh, the Eastern, the United States, specifically, like, the West Coast. Uh, yeah, because good luck telling the people in charge of, you know, Abu Dhabi, good luck telling the, sh- uh, the sheikhs over there that, yeah, we're going to start this at, tw- at, you know, 11.30 in the morning because that's a better time zone for the, like, that ain't flying, guys. So that'll have an odd start time here in the States, but they are, again, they are looking for Khabib and Dustin to headline that event. And I like Khabib and Dustin as a fight. I like, you know, getting Khabib nearer to his home country. That's about as safe. I mean, the UAE, excuse me, the UAE is a relatively stable uh, country in the Middle East. Uh, and, you know, Khabib is geographically relatively close to that. Um, I mean, Dagestan's not... It's not like, you know, across the corner, you know, it's not across the street or anything, but it's relatively close. So now they seem to be working towards that. That is on the clear, so... Uh, be on the So again, now that they're actually kind of announcing... Uh, they're going to be negotiating for that, so be on the lookout for that announcement. Uh, they do seem pretty, again, they're pretty high on that notion. Uh, I mean, Khabib's status as a star in the region, uh, you know, again, in Russia, in Dagestan, in Chechnya, in that area, the Caucasus region of the world is very, very well established. He was a star there before the McGregor fight, before, again, a lot of the, before he really started catching on here in the in the West, in the United States and such. And he's, you know, again, so he's a big star in that area. He's a devout Muslim. Uh, there's a lot that's going to play well for him there. Now watch Poirier go in and just, you know, starch him. But <laughs> now, I, I favor Khabib in that fight, but it's a good fight. Uh, I'm not underestimating Poirier by any stretch of the imagination. So we'll be on the lookout for that, for more official announcements about that fight coming forward. And I think that's going to do it for this episode. Wow, under an hour. I don't know if I'm good or bad. All right. Uh, what can you find me this week? This Tuesday on Damn You Hollywood, myself, Mark Radlich, and I believe Alexis Haina will be reviewing the live-action remake of Aladdin. Uh, Jeff Harris has a review of that up at 411 if you're interested in his thoughts, and you should be. So give that a read, and you can listen to us on Tuesday. I have not seen the movie yet, so who knows, but I will see it before I review it, as per usual. <laughs> um, and then this Friday, uh, myself, Mark Radulich, and uh, Pat Mullen will be doing a review of the Netflix the Netflix film? I think it was a film. I can't remember if it's styled as a film or a series. Um, and it's some stupid title. 
Like, incredibly shocking, disgusting, and vile. It's the, the Ted Bundy story where Zac Efron plays Bundy. So we'll have a review of that. Haven't seen that yet either, but we'll find time during the week to review to see it so we can talk about it. So if you're interested in that. Um, last week, Mark and I reviewed uh, John Wick Chapter 3. So you can find full thoughts on that. Very brief thoughts. I enjoyed it. Uh, if you, you see those movies to watch you know, the actions and the set choreography, and it's good. Uh, I don't have very many complaints about it. So you can listen to our review of that. We go into more detail. And I think I was part of an impromptu... I was part of an impromptu boxing commentary for Deontay Wilder's last fight that was such a joke and ended so quickly. We actually wound up just doing commentary over two other high-profile heavyweight heavyweight boxing bouts from the past. So you can find that if you're interested in listening to the three of us kind of talk over some boxing events as, as a form of alternate commentary. And if you're, again, if you're not familiar with some of the other event fights that we watched, uh, you know, we give you the name of the fights, so you can look it up, and everything we watched was, on, was you know, free on YouTube, so you can watch along with us. It's, uh, it's a good time. And again, this Saturday we'll have coverage of UFC Fight Night, excuse me, UFC on ESPN Plus 11, so yay. Um, <laughs> stop by, say hello. That evening, I believe it should, that event should end in time for me to do alternate boxing commentary for there's another thing happening that evening that Mark kind of roped me into so you can be on the lookout for that uh, alright I think that's it for me you can follow my work here at 411 Mania uh, in, the, in the MMA zone follow the 411 podcasting networks YouTube, iTunes, Google Plus excuse me, Google Play you can probably find it on Google Plus too I don't know all the functionality that service provides uh, also on Transistor, you know, wherever you find us. So thank you. You can like, you can subscribe. That will help you get notifications. We appreciate it, uh, as always. And for my other stuff, uh, they'll get mad at me if I pimp it too much here. So you can follow the Rattlech and Broadcasting Network on Facebook to get updates, as well as find them wherever you get your podcasts from. And that's going to do it. So thank you all again. I'll see you next week when we have a review of UFC on ESPN Plus 11, and I believe we will have a preview of 238. Yes, we will. We will be previewing UFC 238. If you're a hardcore fight fan, and given that you're listening to this show, you probably are. Good degree of overlap there. This card is great. Marais and Cejudo, Ferguson and Cowboy, Rivera and Jan. Oh. Oh, that's such a great main card. Outside, I mean, the the co-main is kind of iffy. And then the kicking off the main card will be a heavyweight fight between Tai Tuivasa and Blagoy Ivanov that could be just... So, but, God, that, again, that main event's great. Ferguson and Cerrone, as long as it holds together, I can't imagine it being anything less than great. So we're all just kind of hoping a lot of those fights hold together. But uh, So next week we'll have a full preview of that. Jeff should be back next week, so those of you look, who miss out on his commentary, he'll be back again next week for that. Until then, stay safe out there, everybody, and please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.